Comic Timing is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. Hey there, everybody. My name is Ian Levenstein, and welcome to Comic Timing Extra Point number six. This doesn't get to be named 150 because that's being saved. And Brent's not here, so he'll be a little bitch if I make this 150 without him. But I am actually with guest on this episode. Uh, my buddy Austin is joining me today. Austin, what's going on? Hi, podcast people. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me, Ian. Oh, yeah, no problem. Uh, going through the wintry mess that is slowly forming outside. But you know, you're not that far away, so that's easier. Yeah, it was, it was nine blocks and I could take a bus, so I didn't have to fall on my butt trying to get here. Yet. So, uh, yeah, we're talking about Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, because if I planned this correctly, this should be coming out, if not the day of, the day after the uh, demise of Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark on Broadway. And in my feeling, the justified demise. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, no, I'm, I'm there with you. I, I saw the revised edition back in December. You saw the original Julie Taymor disaster edition back when it was still in previews, God save you. I actually, it wasn't previews, I saw it. A little bit after it actually premiered. Okay, so that would be around June mm-hmm. 2011, I believe. Gotcha. All right, so that was that was like right before any of the changes really happened. Yeah, because, none like, of the none of the changes had happened. Mm-hmm. Um, people were still being injured, so <laughs> it was it was still a mess. Although sadly, no one was really injured in our performance, which is something that we wanted to sadly, see. Sadly, sadly, I love that you going into like, well, it would have been a saving grace if someone had lost an arm or something like well, that. We just wanted the, the show that we were going to to be <laughs> part of the news, and it wasn't, and we were sad. But I mean, all in all, <sighs> a man fell and broke his arm onto Austin Cantrell. <laughs> You you wanted that to be the news, just admit it. I, I did. I wanted my name in lights, and I wanted to be on the on Channel One, being like, <laughs> and and the, the the guy fell, and I couldn't I couldn't get out of the way. <laughs> Onlookers were like, damn. <laughs> that was their exact words. Damn. Add as many A's as you want to that. D A Y. Yeah. <laughs> it's moving to Vegas now, and part of me thinks that's where it should have been to begin with. Well, it's a spectacle, right. and. Uh, one of the things I always felt mm-hmm. was the show right now is on 42nd Street. Yeah. It's right across the street from Mary Poppins mm-hmm. with some of the similar um, stunts going on. You know, right. Mary Poppins floats down. Mm-hmm. There's stuff going on. I felt like those choreographers should have gone across the street <laughs> and be like, hey, let me offer you some pointers on yeah. what we're using over here. Right. Well, well, you know what the problem is? This play came out before the Disney acquisition. Mm. And had it happened I think after that, you probably would have had the same choreographers involved because it would have all been the same Disney property. They started but, working on it. Yes. Well, did, did, didn't it come out after the before the Turn acquisition? The yeah. Marvel was bought by Disney in 2009, dude. It was it, wow! Holy crap! It's been that long. Yes. Wow. And, damn. And I'm also going to put in that the creative team, Julie Taymor, she made. I mean, she helped produce and direct The Lion King on Broadway. Right. Oops. That's, yeah. You're so right. they yeah. could have gotten a lot of the same people, mm-hmm. but I just, it I doesn't just... seem like they, they did. Yeah. I mean, and it could be that they were working in other jobs, mm-hmm. but it seemed like you had a, a group of people yeah. creating a spectacle. Right. And just didn't know what they were doing. And so now with it moving, I think you're you're going to see, within Las Vegas, mm-hmm. you'll have the engineers to really make sure, and, and plus they have the experience now of what right. they've done on Broadway, to yeah. make sure that the spectacle lives on, yeah. and hopefully no one else is injured, <laughs> as long as I'm not in the audience. Well, they, they've already... Because if I'm in the audience, I want <laughs> You want injuries, you want you want violence, you want, like, a riot to break out, yeah. and you want it to be film in 11. No, no what's, what's great about it is that they've already said, like, yeah, no, so with the move to Las Vegas, uh, there could be more changes... Which just makes me think they're yet again going to go through the script and be like, all right, this still doesn't work, and cut that and like add this and make this more coherent. Well, I think also it's to bring people back. Hmm. You know, if you change the story, you're going to want to have more people come in and see it again, see right. what they changed. Because yeah. I know a few people who've seen it twice, mm-hmm. once seeing it the first time, yeah. and now seeing it with the changes. And I'm sure if they're in Las Vegas, yeah. they'll go see it a third time <laughs> if uh, the tickets are on sale or something. Well, let's, let's go through your experience since, again, you saw it first and you saw the disaster, <laughs> the Julie Taymor disaster with geek, geek chorus and Arachne and all the shit that they wound up taking out when I saw it. So the first thing I want to talk about is the music, mm-hmm. because I, even though you had similar music, mm-hmm. I'm sure you didn't have the band that they originally hired. Yeah. 
They were they were called Carney. Okay. They were they are named after the lead singer mm-hmm. Reeve Carney. Right. And at the time he was playing Spider Man. Yes. Basically, U two brings in Carney, mm-hmm. um, who was a band that was opening for it. I, I actually looked this up when I was trying to remember what their name was. Okay. Um, they had been opening for U two for years. Right. And I guess in a state of nepotism, they were like, "Hey, <laughs> why don't you play our uh, Broadway musical? Okay. Be our Peter Parker, man." <laughs> So Reeve comes you have in, black hair. and you when you first come in, you see a bass player and a lead guitarist just kind of standing on the side, mm-hmm. not doing it. There's no orchestra; you don't see any of that. I, yeah. I believe that was all behind stage or recording, right? But it's the band, so the band's basically playing, and the lead singer is off doing the Peter Parker stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, we definitely did not have that at ours. We just had straight-up orchestra, which they then showed on the screen at the end of the production, just to let us know that they actually existed and that it wasn't just a recording. Yeah. It, the douche levels were super high, you know, because you have this pompous band who thinks they are going to be the next big thing, mm-hmm. just standing there playing for it. And it's like you're, you're, you're going into a rock concert, but there just happens to be high wire stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it doesn't fit in a Broadway musical. Like, right. you, don't, you don't expect that. Yeah. Unless you're seeing Rock of Ages. Yeah, unless you're seeing Rock of Ages. Yeah. Which then it's cool because it's a part. But right. they don't interact at all. They're just kind of there playing. At least mm-hmm. the band in Rock of Ages, yeah. they interact with everybody. There's a, there's a disconnect here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They break the fourth wall in Rock of Ages. Well, in Spider-Man, the fourth wall breaking is all done by the Geek Chorus. Ugh. Which, <laughs> the Geek Chorus is kind of like the Big Bang Theory. It's nerd blackface. <laughs> ah, my favorite term. And I, I went to go look up their names, because mm. they have... Ter- so, apparently they named them after their World of Warcraft characters. Jeez. We have Miss Arrow, uh-huh. Jimmy Six, uh-huh. Professor Cobwell, uh-huh. and the Grim Hunter. Okay. See, Miss Arrow is the only one that actually I laugh at because Miss Arrow is the name of Aunt May's dog <laughs> in the comics. Miss Lion. Is it Miss Lion? It's Miss Lion. Oh, it's Miss Lion. Okay. Did you read uh, Pet Avengers? <laughs> right, you're right. Pet yeah, Avengers okay. Is awesome. Yeah. Well, it's close enough. It's close enough. This is Chris, by the way, in the background. He's just going to be interjecting whenever I say something wrong. That's what I got to do. <laughs> correct you your terrible memory gotta call you on your on your call me on my bs yeah all my fox news bs but uh yeah all right so yeah miss arrow and you said the grim hunter grim hunter grim hunter okay. jimmy six uh-huh. and professor cobwell all right i don't know any geeks that refer to themselves by Fire. their online, online handle online when they're with their friends right. like do you go off and be like <laughs> Hey, what's up, Big T X X X sixty nine four seven? I I introduce my myself as I am sci fi to everybody. <laughs> I mean, I'm just like, yo, dude, what up? I'm I am sci fi. We should chill. Because you know, you you want to be like Will I am and be like, I'm all the hot stuff right now. Look <laughs> at my name. I have dots and underscores. That's all I need. <laughs> so they're they're based off of the Greek chorus. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the time-honored tradition sure. of breaking the fourth wall in a Greek play mm-hmm. and talking about the action that's going on. Right. It's commendable, but it's just done poor. It was done poorly at the mm-hmm. time. Yeah. You know, it, it didn't really add anything. They 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 talk about what villain Spider-Man should be fighting. And, and it's because of what they're thinking about. It creates the main bad guy, Arachne. Right. And it creates all the other villains that Spider-Man has to fight going on. They're pretty much writing Spider-Man fan fiction it's, on the stage. It's totally fan fiction. It's okay. just, the whole thing is their fan fiction. It's all, right. all in their head. Right. This is their Spider-Man story mm-hmm. in their head. It's like, it's like somebody went to Jim Hanley's universe and like heard a really bad like nerd conversation going on. And someone was like, you know, I could probably turn that into a musical. Mm. And why did they have to start with the origin story again? You know, yeah. this is supposed to be at the time based off the 2002 Spider-Man movie. Right. There was no, you know, they wouldn't be thinking about, you know, redoing the origin story. Yeah. They would be thinking about, oh, an original story that Spider-Man could do. Yeah. And that, that, that was part of the pro- major problem I had with the play is that it relied way too much on that movie, at which... 
going back on it now, it's not aged very well. No. Like, it, it's it's one of those that, like, might have worked just fine in 2002, but now that we've had the Amazing Spider-Man, we've already had the the next generation, you look back on it now uh, almost the way you look back on Tim Burton's Batman. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's its own thing, it's its own generation that we've since moved past. And seeing a new play, well, a new-ish play, Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, go back to that well, when we've all seen the movies already... Really didn't make any sense to me. I felt they would have been, actually made a lot more sense if they relied a lot more heavily on the comic books than, say, you know, those Raimi things. Well, in all honesty, this goes to my next point. This is Julie Taymor, the director and producer of Spider-Man: Turn Off the Dark. Right. Uh, this is her hate mail to geeks. <laughs> Um, this is her saying, I don't care about your medium at all. Mm-hmm. I don't believe you are highbrow, yeah. which admittedly some things are not highbrow, but there are some amazing comic books. Yeah. And she just said, eh, I'm going to inject my own bit of culture and I'm going to add stuff that makes entirely no sense. Yeah. And I'm going to add a villain that even JMS would never want to touch with a 10 foot pole. <laughs> Oh, and that and that's what it rem- reminded me the most of. Like, I was half expecting Ezekiel to, Ezekiel to show up halfway through. Exactly. Like, you know, I was l- waiting for those villains during the you know right before Brand New Day to come in yeah. and be like, "Oh, we're gonna do Spider Man the Other for the second act." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we all want to see the other again. <laughs> Jeez, what a pile of poo. Ugh. And she just doesn't. She didn't care for the source material. Mm-hmm. You know, all she cared about was let's try to make it as close to the movie yeah. by injecting. The origin story and the Sam Raimi feeling. Oh, but let me add also all this Greek stuff that I love. Right. And I love her for making The Lion King. Mm-hmm. You know, because The Lion King is a great show to go see. Right. Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark is not. Well, it's, it's, it, it, it makes you wonder, like, it, I mean, yeah, we know that she was coming from a different place for Spider-Man, like, but... Does she honestly think that the comic book medium is something that cannot be translated nearly as well as, say, an animated medium can be? Because, I mean, again, she managed to do a pretty decent job with, uh, you know, and making something live action at least once. You would have thought she would have been able to do it again, and she really didn't. Yeah, and with The Lion King, if if you ever see it, she follows that – when she made it, Mm -hmm. she followed that story. There's almost no changes other other than the spectacle that goes on with it. Yeah. This – and admittedly, you know, how can you put – you know, decades of material into one into one interject. Yeah. Yes, it's Chris again. And Hello? now Chris for the save. Yeah. No, the thing that got me about Spider-Man: Turn Off the Dark was that they do the origin where you know he does the the wrestling match to win the money, mm-hmm. and then of course he goes home and Uncle Ben's been killed in like a carjacking. Yeah. And they omit the part where Peter has any kind of culpability in it. Mm-hmm. Because the whole great power, you know, with, with great power comes great responsibility, comes from the fact that he had the power to stop the thief and didn't. Right. And they completely omitted that. He just, he wins the money and he goes, I mean, was the culpability in that he decided to go get the money, <laughs> like, go win the money instead of painting a fence? Yeah. Well, well th- didn't we find out that that, that that was one of the things that, uh, that, that was they rewrote? That was in the original. It yeah. was in the original. I was going to yeah. say, that yeah. was in the original, the culpability, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. but I, they took it out? Like, that yeah. that surprises me that they would take something so essential to the mythos. Yeah. Because yeah. even when you look between the Raimi films and the newer, the new Spider-Man film, mm-hmm. and they tweak some stuff, I'm trying to remember if it was the Raimi film or the new one that actually omitted the part where Peter gets screwed over. Uh, it was the new one. Yeah, yeah, I didn't like that either because, you know, if... Peter's just kind of a douche for the sake of being a douche. Yeah. It kind of sucks. It, like, it, it was that the it was that the uh, guy wasn't giving him uh, change, uh, or, or like he was like three cents short for milk or something like that in the Amazing Spider-Man one, and that's why he let the guy go. Uh, that's what I'm trying to. I mean, again, I can't unless I go on Wikipedia yeah. right now. I can't remember. I remember one of the versions omits mm-hmm. the part where the guy screws Peter over. It might have been the Raimi films, actually. Yeah, I guess. I guess maybe it was. I mean, Austin, interject. I mean, do you remember um, the, the origin for the Raimi one? 100%? I believe in the Raimi one, he argues with him because he's the guy with the bad um, die job, yeah. and, and he he goes, he counts out the money. If I, I remember from the Raimi film, he counts out the money, mm-hmm. and then he just starts taking the money back, and Peter ends up with like a hundred dollars. This is sounding familiar. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so maybe maybe it was just that it happened some, differently. Some version yeah. of it omitted that, and yeah. that wasn't. A, troublesome but this was actually far worse is yeah. my main point is right. that you can't omit the you know the part where peter could have stopped him you don't yeah. take that out of the spider-man myth it's like no, you don't taking out i don't know the the waynes going to a show and then getting <laughs> shot in an alley they, I mean, they were they were actually at the beach surfing 
and then the Waynes uh, wound up uh, falling off of their surfboards and dying in the ocean. It's like, it's like if Bruce wasn't even there. <laughs> yeah, that's there that's what it is. Yes. No, that's a, that's a, that's a much better. Like he hears about yeah. it secondhand. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of different between having some kind of presence there because, yeah. you know, like in the, uh, the Nolan movies, he feels this culpability because he wanted to leave the movie early or right. the, the play, the, the opera. Yeah. You know, deflate her mouth. Who takes their kid to see deflate her <laughs> <laughs> but it scares him, so he wants to leave early. And because of that, they die, and he feels bad about it. So at least there's, like, a guilt mm-hmm. that ties into it, even though you don't need that in Batman, because Batman is just, oh, no, my parents died because of the shitty crime right. in, in the city, and I want to make sure that doesn't happen to anyone else. And then they name the the alley, Crime Alley. Peter, Peter's thing is, like, I have powers now. I'm going to go do crazy stuff with them. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, I got $1,000. Oh, my uncle's dead. Vengeance. Vengeance word. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> so, Arachne was your major villain. Yeah. Like, so, in your version. In the original version... Green Goblin is only in Act One. Okay, he's only the main bad guy in Act One. He's still a scientist in yours. He's right? still a scientist. Right. He's still he still basically creates. I got my I got my own thoughts on that. Once okay. we get there, he still basically creates Peter Parker mm-hmm. or creates Spider Man. Yeah, but he's only a villain for the first act, mm-hmm. and then in the second act. The geek chorus comes back, and they're like, "Oh, you know, Spider Man's beaten his greatest villain. Mm-hmm. You know, what are we gonna do now?" Oh, let's throw a bunch of villains at him. Let's throw Carnage, <laughs> Craven, Electro, Lizard. Let's make up a villain called Swiss Miss yeah. to fight him. Which which looked badass, by the way. Yeah. It's just, she gets nothing. I'm surprised she's never translated the comic books, actually. We might get there eventually. Yeah. Like, I mean, it took uh, it took Chloe Sullivan a while to make it over from Smallville, so nice. I wouldn't be shocked if eventually... Grant Morrison just needs to write a title <laughs> called Spider-Man Incorporated. <laughs> 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 and then we'll get Swiss Miss and like uh, whatever villains from uh, and his amazing friends have never I, made it over. I want the first time we meet meet Swiss Miss. The name of the issue is called "Turn on the Light" uh, <laughs> or uh, or Trouble in Hot Cocoa. <laughs> uh, so and and Lizard was uh, was one of the other ones too. And Lizard had the worst outfit out of uh, anybody. Like and they couldn't even decide themselves whether or not it was just supposed to be a lizard or a dude who had a lizard popping out of his chest. Because like in in some of the uh, like video graphics we saw, it was just a straight on lizard who you could tell was just a dude in a suit. And other times you saw the head. Honestly, why couldn't they have just? Recreated a Godzilla suit, yeah, and just put a lab coat on it. That would have made sense. It would have made it would have been looked so much better Please. than the inflatable like, yeah, just monstrosity <laughs> that they gave him. And Arachne utilizes them in your version. She doesn't yes. create them, right? No, she doesn't create okay. them. She utilizes them. All right, because in 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 the version that I saw, mm-hmm. she's in love. She starts becoming in love with Peter Parker. <laughs> she sees him as a kindred spider. Okay, you know, because she's been cursed. By Athena to be a spider for the rest of her life. Madam Web, Madam Web, because <laughs> inside, and she she wants to get into Peter's life and have her have him all for herself, mm-hmm. and so she's the main villain in the second act, and that's when we find out in the end maybe the real villain is Mary Jane and Peter Parker <laughs> because they're really fighting each other. <laughs> And that was the moral of the story. The moral of the story was don't fall in love. It, it, it could have been written by Joe Casada because he <laughs> hates Mary Jane and Peter Parker so much. <laughs> I could have seen him putting something like this together. Oh, God. All right. See, in our version, Arachne's in it for maybe two scenes. Like, she's she's in it at the beginning when he's telling the story of the history of the story of Arachne. And you see her, like, come down from the ceiling and all the webs and all that shit, which was, you know, nice and pretty, but had nothing to do with anything. And then you see her at one point, and I think in the second act, she shows up again to, like, give advice to Peter or something like that, and then moves on. But you need a wet dream? Uh, yeah, yeah it, was, it was pretty much a wet dream, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I can see why they kept her. She mm-hmm. has, like, two major songs in the musical. Right. So they probably didn't want to have to edit out those songs or give it to somebody else. Well, we got... And did, doesn't she, did, doesn't did, she sing Turn Off the Dark? Did she sing Turn Off the Dark in ours? <laughs> well, because I remember her singing the you know the first song. I'm just not quite sure if she was part of that uh, that second one anymore. I thought she was, mm-hmm. but it's. I mean, again, the yeah. Spider-Man Peter Parker did most of the heavy lifting right. on the vocals. Yeah, 
I mean, she, I think she might have actually like interjected and like added some vocals to it, but it wasn't specifically her song okay. in our version. It was. I, I think turn off. If I remember correctly, turn off mm-hmm. the dark is kind of like a duet between Peter mm-hmm. having to deal with you know the powers and the responsibility. Yeah, that's, and, that's the way. It and played, Arachne yeah. yep. mm-hmm. wanting a piece of Peter, right? You know, wanting some of that sweet, well, sweet spider meat. There's there's significantly less sweet, sweet spider meat and more just like I am going to materialize and tell you that you're awesome in our in our version. <laughs> but no, like Green Goblin in this version of of the play and the mythos and everything like that might as well have been Doc Ock. You know, because, like, just about the entire storyline that they give Green Goblin in this is from Spider-Man 2. You've got you've got Doc Ock and his wife and everything like that, and then tragedy strikes, and Doc Ock is like, I will seek vengeance. And they went out of their way to say that, that Osborne's wife couldn't have kids. You you just throw Harry out of the out the, with the bathwater entirely in this version just because you felt like it because because Harry was just a wad of tissue paper in a <laughs> in this reality that when he could have been conceived it was masturbation <laughs> it, it just it made no sense to me and like and and. Our version of the Green Goblin, I don't know if, if, if someone else has played him, but like had this weird southern drawl thing going. Like, no, I mean, they've they've completely replaced the cast, so okay. I, I saw a different Actually, when <clears> I went <throat> to go see it, there were a lot of understudies mm-hmm. in it. Uh, okay. the, the woman who was supposed to play Arachne was mm-hmm. being played by her understudy. Because, because the other one had like broken her arm or something. Yeah, broken her arm. Yeah. Carpio. Yeah. Um, what was it? No, TV Carpio. Oh, right, okay. She was in Across the Universe. Ah. Like Prudence. Right, okay, yeah. One of the few Across the Universe people who actually made it over, because I know the originally we were supposed to have yet another in uh, Mary Jane, but uh, they dropped out way beforehand. Just like originally Green Goblin was supposed to be uh, ooh, uh, Nightcrawler. Uh, crap, I can't think of his name. Cumming. Right? Yeah, Alan Cumming. Alan Cumming. Yeah, originally it was going to be Alan Cumming, but when they took too freaking long uh, to actually put the boy out, he dropped out. See, that would have been amazing. Oh, yeah. The guy that I got was just dime store um, uh, William Defoe. Okay, you know, and, and it was a good try. It was just you wanted to be William mm-hmm. Defoe, and he the was- only person I had that you had was J. Jonah Jameson. Oh, he, really? He has been in it since the start. Well, you probably can't do anything else. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Give me photos of Spider Man. Give me poems about Spider Man. He probably was really wishing we'd have gotten that Portal Two job. <laughs> But he keeps losing out. Yeah, well, he's still alive. Um, yeah, no. Uh, in in your in your version, Green Goblin has a much smaller role. But uh, is the wife still around? I don't even remember a wife. Okay. Like it. I mean, his his role is just there to be the main villain that Arachne throws at Spider Man. Right. You know, she help. He helps create. He helps create Spider Man, mm-hmm. but then he becomes the villain because yeah. the. the um, the army really wants his, like, super soldier serum. Yeah. And so he uses it on himself and becomes a Green Goblin. We did get the, so- the super soldier serum part of it. And, you know, random winks and nods to the Fantastic Four every now and then when they felt like it. Why were the women soldiers wearing hot pants, but the men got real pants? <laughs> this is Zap Brannigan's army. You wear what Zap Brannigan wants. It's called Broadway. <laughs> You need some pizzazz. It's called unnecessary because they're all the way on the stage, all the way up there. Can I get a Julie Taymor, anyone? Julie Taymor. Well, honestly, I don't think she was part of it at that point, so I... <clears throat> no, it, 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 like for ours, uh, the, the whole thing was like he he had found, created this, you know, like foundation and he was working with with a whole bunch of scientists and, you know, the, they were trying to create uh, the Super Soldier Serum and the spider was part of it and then, you know... Peter gets bit, and then we go into the whole movie origin. But when he loses the funding, he goes nuts and decides, I'm going to create, I'm going to turn myself into the Green Goblin. And he goes into this machine, and he becomes the Green Goblin, and in the process, his wife dies. And that's when he goes cuckoo nutso bananas and winds up like, I must destroy Spider-Man because it's all Spider-Man's fault. You know what? Oh, I he, t- doesn't, he doesn't want to destroy Spider-Man. Spider-Man's his... His, oh, his right, child, his Broham, his, his yeah. Broham, yeah. <laughs> well, but but he seems to go back and forth in that in the uh, in the in well, the play. Like he goes from like, well, he says, join join me, and together we will rule the, the New York as Goblin and Spider. And he says, I'll never join you. <laughs> join me, we'll strike down the Emperor together. You don't know the truth about me. I'm not related to you in any way. <laughs> That's, That's not, not true. true. That's, That's impossible. impossible. Actually, it's pretty plausible. 
But he also creates Carnage, Wizard, Swarm, Electro, and Swiss Messinus because they were the scientists that were working with him in the think tank or whatever, and he decides to basically capture them and turn them into his they, minions. They betrayed him. I don't remember how they betrayed him, but apparently... Oh, they ran off. I yeah. don't know if they no. ran off because he was crazy Chris, or they, because they were bad people. They betrayed him by leaving because they weren't getting paid. That's how they betrayed him. Is that what you just yeah, said? Yeah, no, that's... He say, basically says it in the play. I don't even remember like, that. Yeah, like, like, they've all left. It's like, because we can't pay so, them, Norman. But like, what, yeah. What's the incentive for them to then... Once once they gain powers, what's the incentive for the, them to keep fighting? The incentive, I guess, is that by gaining powers, they, they're somehow under his whim or something like that. Like, go, cause havoc in Manhattan or whatever. And this was after Peter had decided to be Spider-Man no more, a la, you know, Spider-Man 2 and three and whatever the hell else he felt like it. And why did they have to use this group of villains other than the color scheme? Mm Because I get that they wanted contrast and colors, especially with the Green Goblin. You wanted to get like basically villains that represent primary colors or at least colors in the rainbow. But most of them have huge histories. Of course. You know, two of them are practically on par with Spider-Man constantly, Carnage and Kraven, and have nearly killed him multiple times. Oh my God, please. Um, why couldn't you just use the regular Sinister Six? Well, like, why don't you bring... And, and a fine, create your own character or something. Mm-hmm. But why can't you use people like the Beetle or the Rhino? You know, bring them in who the don't really... Spot. The Spot. <laughs> and, like, Swarm. Yeah. It's like, no one cares about Swarm. No so can- fine, bring him in just for the color scheme. Yeah. Because there's no history with him. I-, I seriously turned to Chris when Swarm showed up, and I was just like, really? <laughs> like, really? You go everywhere else and like you could have even done rhino as a, as a character like that would have made more sense than fucking swarm three people will know who swarm is shocker should have brought in shocker we, we had we had uh well we had electro we didn't have shocker in oh that's right they have electro Sorry. yeah right there's so no reason, got, yeah yeah there's no reason to do both of them you have two electrical powered villains well, you could have taken shocker out of the equation put in rhino and then i'm sorry electro out of the equation put in rhino and then had shocker yeah. As, as the yellow, that would have made a lot more sense. But th- she wanted, she wanted goons. She wanted like a plot mover, and in the process, sacrificed all of the growth as characters that these villains have. She baned them. Oh, <laughs> which is what I was thinking when we saw it too, because like fucking Carnage he doesn't even get a line. Like no, not nothing, nothing to show that he's supposed to be the sociopath. Yeah, you know he's. In all honesty, he's one of my favorite villains because he's, he's badass, just yeah. crazy and i right. love crazy villains yeah, he's dr cletus capacity in my version <laughs> like really <laughs> yeah because he could hold it down hit for a little bit to yeah. his murder feeling sure and they to, the to get his doctorate <laughs> yeah they, they take the symbiote out of the equation entirely and they just like you know again green goblin created these monsters and, and i get that we're probably never gonna see a sequel play oh hell um, no <laughs> so you know throw them all the way throw them all away but yeah. i just it was one of those things I was. I would love to have seen like a sequel play in like mm-hmm. ten years or something, and it's just it's right. not going to happen. Because well, yes, yeah. no one. You know, you, you've you've just alienated so much of the comic community, mm-hmm. and then just Broadway in general yeah. by putting on a crappy show. If I if I remember correctly, they lost about forty million in this play. Like they never game back their money and this was even after like months and months and months and hell years of practically selling out until it died off in this last year which is why they're they're no longer going to be in in new york because people stopped coming and i guess they realized they'll make more money in in las vegas well hopefully they do i mean hopefully whoever um is going to pick it up in las vegas paid Mm -hmm. a ton of money to help them offset the cost uh, (laughs) or at least make some sort of uh profit at this point yeah. and you know more power to them but I, I am happy to see it go i yeah. work across the street from that place oh god i'm tired of seeing spider-man <laughs> on the marquee because it is just a travesty of what spider-man is you work on the same side of the street as newsies then i'm the no i'm the block next to oh, okay. so i'm on, I'm on gotcha. the same block where mary poppins used to be gotcha all right okay well, well that that is that is where, where newsies is now newsies behind it yeah okay all newsies right. hasn't moved there they're all still right. in the on the 41st street. gotcha okay all right so was Mary Jane as much of a piece of wood in your version as she was in ours? Mary Jane in any version is a piece of wood. <laughs> she's just boobs on a plank of wood. Not an ultimate Spider-Man. I mean, she's actually it, competent oh, in Ultimate Spider-Man. Okay, she's kind of competent in Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. It's, it's, 
it's freaking Mary Jane. Yeah. You know, they, no one knows how to write her. No. And no one cares to write for her. And she's just there to be Spider-Man's hot woman. And it's... They had a throwaway... <clears throat> I don't know if they did in, in your version. They had a throwaway reference to Gwen Stacy in ours. Right after Peter gets beaten up by Flash or something like that, she, Mary Jane's all like, oh, Gwen told me something happened. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, and then she died on the bridge. Well, the, the throwaway line... Well, not throwaway line. The throwaway scene is the uh-huh. first scene in the in the original mm-hmm. where Peter's fighting the Green Goblin mm-hmm. on, I believe he uh, is on a, touch. on a bridge. Yeah. And then Mary Jane falls to her death. Right. And that's total homage to yeah. Gwen Stacy. Sure. We, we we got that as a dream sequence further on in our play. Like okay. it was, it was, uh, was that the beginning of, uh, of act two with the, it was, uh, it was the opening of act two. The opening they, of act two. They yeah. do the whole, you know, he dreams of the Brooklyn bridge. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. Well, well, in my version, it's the geek chorus <laughs> trying to write their fan fiction and it's their first scene <laughs> in their fan fiction. And they go, no, that's too implausible. We need to start from the beginning. Yeah. And I go, no, we've done it enough. <laughs> No more origin stories, says the Scarlet Witch. Oh, Christ. And how much of a weird, like, how how weird was it that, like, random goons had, like, paper heads? It, they looked like Easter Island statues. Yeah. It made no sense. It, I, it didn't at I, all. It's a stylized thing. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, she's trying to recreate the same magic from The Lion King. Sure. And it was cartoonish. And again, it's the hate mail to comic book fans. Mm-hmm. You know, your golden age art is cartoonish <laughs> to me, and this is how I see it. He, she should have just put Kirby dots on everything. <laughs> like, that that would that would have worked for me if like everyone just had like a like a look of like of like red and black like on them or something like that. It could have been worse. It could have been Leafeld and they could have had no feet and pouches everywhere. You know, honestly, that would have made a better play. Oh, that would have, that would have made a better play. For one thing, there wouldn't have been any dancing because there wouldn't have been any feet. Mm. And uh, okay, so yours. I mean, I think ours had the same amount of U two that yours did because I think ours only had the two uh, songs that were one hundred percent written by Bono and, oh, and and the Edge. I mean, I, I thought at the time all the songs were supposed to be by U two mm-hmm. because I mean they were written specifically for this band to right. play. I the, think the score was like produced by them, but actually written by Bono and the Edge are just those like Rise Above and, and one other song. Probably that Turn Off of. the Dark. Probably the yeah. Most of the time. The action on the stage would be so boring. I'd just go look at the, um, <laughs> go look at the band because uh-huh. I mean sometimes you're like, oh, good band playing, and it's just you're, I'm watching this band. I'm like, I kind of wish this was actually you two playing. Mm-hmm. I mean, why could they? I mean, I understand they could have been there because they need to tour and make right. money. But you go to Jimmy Fallon for the roots. You know, exactly. you, you got to turn off the dark for the for the for the band that doesn't isn't even there anymore. When they first announced the musical and that it was going to be, you know, Bono and the Edge, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, if every song is like, hold me, throw me, kiss me, kill me, uh-huh. then it'll be the most awesome musical ever. <laughs> right. They and were not. They were not. Yeah. <laughs> I will just listen to that on a loop and pretend and think about the Spider-Man musical in my head that looks just like the video from 1995, Batman Forever with Bono and his magic sunglasses. Because <laughs> I watched that. Every time it was on TV, I would just stop what I was doing and stare at the TV. Yeah. This is before YouTube, kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, when I heard the, you know, like, that's what I was hoping. I was hoping we'd get more of that throughout the film, and we didn't. If only we had three hundred dollars to burn we could go back see it yeah and then just have headphones in playing that song in an infinite loop yeah and i just said film which proves how much Ray- it's like Raimi's uh, movie <laughs> so tell me about the shoes song because we didn't get the shoes song in ours oh but you got the shoes song in yours arachne's wonderful ballad about oh my god shoes 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 let's get some shoes shoes so whenever arachne would come on Mm -hmm. there'd be this like web background because she's still locked in her universe of spiders yeah spiders everywhere but she obsesses with shoes (laughs) so she's like a normal girl she just wants shoes a normal ancient greek girl Mm -hmm. who just wants shoes which I guess she had sandals back in the day. Uh, you know, she just had those, like, gladiator sandals. And, you know, sand would just get everywhere. <laughs> but, you know, those pumps, man, those are what get her going. Did, did, the, did, the, did, the, did the geek chorus join in about shoes, or was it just her? Like, no, I think it was just her. Okay. Like, it, 
I don't know. It's one of those things that you try to like forget as much about it as you can because right. it was just such a bad experience. And a song about shoes in the middle of a Spider-Man play, well, like our Goblin had random humor. I guess possibly to move the plot along, but like he would just have like these random jokes. Like he was funnier than Spider-Man. Yeah. In in, in the play itself, which should never actually be the case because Spider-Man is you know full of quips or anything, and all we ever heard was "Hey, eat that, man," and then roll off. Ever since the Raimi films, he doesn't quip anymore. Like Spider-Man's not a good quipper ever since the Raimi films. Well, he was an amazing Spider-Man. I mean, Amazing Spider-Man. There was there was yeah, shit. That's true. Clips. The the best joke in the musical was actually JJ mm-hmm. and his. We're not the post. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that is so nerdy. Uh, that's got to be uh, Roberto. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa. Yes. Yeah. Who who re- who rewrote our version of the play? You know, who has written Fantastic Four? Who has written for Glee and a whole bunch of TV shows and and has written for a bunch of plays before? And this was the best he could do with the pile of poo that was presented to him. They should have just let him do it from scratch. That's that would have been a better play. You know, yeah. just go get a new composer. Mm-hmm. You know, just say, eh, we'll, we've lost a lot of money paying you two like to to do these songs. Let's just do it completely from scratch. Don't quote me on this, but I think there might have actually been a allotment, like contr- like contractually, like where they needed to keep in a certain amount of the play because it was technically still J- Julie Taymor's baby after she went bye bye. Yeah, I mean, she was. Uh, I think she put in some of her own personal money to yeah. finance this. I believe you two put in their own yes. some of their own yes, personal money. Yep. So I'm sure they couldn't because of contractual reasons. Yeah. But it still, it still doesn't stop yeah. them that they should have done. This. Sure, like keep keep three songs and call it a day. That yeah. that would have been that would have been fine by me. Why not? Because the thing is, though, is one of the selling points of the musical is it's music by Bono and the Edge. Yeah. Why not do like um, uh, Emperor's New Groove, which was originally supposed to be Empire of the Sun, and mm-hmm. just have them just write new songs? You're already <laughs> millions of dollars in the hole. You might as well just throw some more money at them and have them write new songs. I would still love to see that documentary. I know it's locked in a vault somewhere and we'll never see it, but I want to see that documentary you're, about You're, you're going to have to explain that to there, there is a documentary that Disney will never let see the light of day. Originally, em- Emperor's New Groove was going to be Empire of the Sun, and Sting wrote a bunch of music for the song. He didn't just write the, the last song which played in the credits for Emperor's mm-hmm. New Groove. And they were going forward, and Sting was writing all this music, and everything was going you know pretty decent until like midway through, they decided this wasn't the movie we, we wanted to make, and they completely halted production entirely, pissing the shit out of Sting. You know, because he, <laughs> you want to burn bridges with Sting. <laughs> Please. A guy who is named after, you know, the bite of bees. <laughs> Don't piss that guy off. Scorpion Sting. <laughs> and yeah, no, like there there are there are like three three or four songs that will never see the light of day that are just sitting in a vault somewhere. And there's an entire documentary they made about the production of, of this movie that never happened, which aired I think was actually like in no. in theaters twice, no, I think. No, here's the thing about yeah. the Empire of the Sun documentaries, because yeah. Sting's wife was like, Oh, my husband's working on a Disney movie. I'm mm-hmm. gonna like record the entire process. Yeah. And of course it went horribly wrong and Disney doesn't want to know everyone you know, doesn't want everyone to know how horribly wrong it is. Right. So it was kind of thrown into a vault <laughs> and it's hardly ever shown in public. Like uh Pixar, I think when they merged with Disney, mm-hmm. asked like they wanted to show it to their animators, and it actually has like a locked suitcase with a guard who stood in the back of the room the oh entire time and took it immediately back to the Disney vault. Wow. Addendum time. Yeah, it's been a few days since we've recorded, but I actually need to add this in because Chris and I had uh, it slightly wrong, specifically when we were talking about what we thought was called Empire of the Sun, the eventual film that Disney put out called Emperor's New Groove. It was actually called Kingdom of the Sun, which then later had a working title of Kingdom in the Sun. And that documentary that we talked about, the one that we swore up and down had never actually made it onto the internet or anywhere else, well, it leaked back in 2012. October 2012, a copy of the documentary titled Sweatbox was released onto YouTube and was then pulled but it still lives on Vimeo today. And I will have a link to that, probably a link to the embed 
on the Comic Timing website, and I'll also be linking to it on the Facebook page because I think it needs to be watched. In fact, I'm currently downloading a local, a local copy of it right now so I can do just that once Chris gets back from Las Vegas. So, yeah, it's pretty awesome that that thing that we swore didn't exist actually exists outside of the Disney vault. Funny how the world works. We now return you to show already in progress. Like, if they, you know, you hear about the Disney vault on TV oh. and it's all, you know, silly like Bambi 2, soon headed for the <laughs> Disney vault. Then there must be a vault inside the Disney vault. And in there is like the documentary right next to Walt Disney's frozen head. Come here, you little shit. I'm walking you inside with the vault. Oh. Plot for Fallout 4. <laughs> Find the film. Oh my Find God. the forbidden documentary. Uh, along with like all of the original animatics for Aladdin. I know that there's some stuff that never came out of that. And, uh, and all the original animatics for Rat Tattooey, which we only saw a part of. Like all this other anime animation out there. Why couldn't they have done that with the play here? Just start anew. I'm sure Bono would have written you some more, you know, music if you asked him nice enough and gave him enough money. Well, I and, and again, it just goes with the contract. Yeah. They couldn't do it. And I am now glad that they're going to burn the, the theater that they're leaving, I hope. I, I don't think they're going to burn the theater. I want them to burn it. <laughs> well, no, no the, I, I'm just, I'm bitter. I'm just bitter. I wanted something that mm-hmm. would be magic, yeah. and instead I just got steaming piles of dog poo in my face. Well, my favorite part about going to that theater in particular, it's a gorgeous theater. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's absolutely beautiful. They re, they renovated it entirely, I believe, slightly before Turn Off the Dark got there, and they, they used to be two theaters. They merged it into one and everything like that. There are two sets of bathrooms in the basement level, and the line that wraps around is crazy because that those are the only bathrooms from what i could see like i don't even know if there were any on the balcony level like it's that or nothing so they they actually have uh like security guards posted there stopping you from going in the exit entrance wow because they're like no you gotta wait online like everybody else no, 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 no and then the store for spider-man turn off the dark which they had built into the side over there was it was it like fifteen dollars for three postcards or something like that? Like it, it was it was eight well, dollars. Well, that's, that's normal Broadway fare. Yeah, you know you jack up the that's Times Square fare. Right, you jack up the price as much as you can on, yeah. on any like item that a tourist might look at, mm-hmm. and you hope that a tourist will buy it. <laughs> uh, Let, let's go over the stunts real quick. I mean, how, how were they in yours? Uh, were there any like major flubs or or, or screw ups in your version? No, there weren't any major flubs or screw ups. Like okay. it's. To look to look at with the with the acrobatics that are going on, it's beautiful. The only thing that really like happened during our play, we even found out afterwards. So we had a uh, understudy playing the part of Rackney, mm-hmm. and apparently we found out after the play, um, she had dislocated her leg. Oh my! Actually, God. I believe during the shoe song. Wow! Because she has to do a bunch of kicks and stuff, and she there's there was no one to replace her because the main actress had already broken her arm. Sure, and. So she had to keep going with a dislocated, I think, knee or something. Oh, my God. And she just kept going because they had to. Yeah, sure. There was a Deadspin article about, like, a week back about the bloodiest football game in the history of the NFL. It was the Raiders. I forget who they were facing. But it got to the point where all three quarterbacks for the Raiders were injured. Wow. And the punter, who was the backup to the backup to the backup quarterback— (laughs) was also injured, but not nearly as much as the other quarterbacks were. So they tried to get him in to quarterback it, and he was just like, you know what? Screw it. (laughs) Like, you could terminate my contract. I am not going out there. They wound up having to bring back out one of the quarterbacks who had fractured, like, his thumb, his throwing arm's thumb, and tried to continue the game with him. And he was the best option. Ugh. That's that's the type of shit that happens. Oh, man. Well, I mean, you have to commend people who go through an injury oh, and course, say, I'm yeah. going to finish that show. Right. That's true devotion to whatever your craft is. Oh, yeah. But there comes a point when you... <laughs> enough is enough. Enough is enough. And any of the actors... I mean, because it wasn't the actual actors. It was all mm-hmm. the um, stunt professionals who were in the sure. play right. who were actually really getting injured. <gasps> yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Just yeah. to mock, I was, the, I was getting there just myself. to mock the internet. Yeah, like when all the stuntmen took their mask off at the end, there was like a black guy and a Hispanic guy, <laughs> and there was one with bagley hair. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> like he looked more like Ultimate Spider-Man. Oh, and I, I, I saw him, and I'm like, why couldn't it have been you? <laughs> it turns out he actually can't sing. So you're. <laughs> 
<laughs> Although and, you could have just had a vocal track over him. Sure, you know, like, I would have been perfectly okay with that. He looked more like Spider Man than our Spider Man did. And and did yours? Uh, well, no, go just, ahead. I just felt like it was the ultimate universe was up on stage. Oh yeah, no, totally. You know, just as a big f you to the internet, especially <laughs> everybody who bitched about, oh my god, Spider Man can't be black or Hispanic. And I'm like, well, he is. He's all of them at once. Suck it. Because Spider Man has stunt guys. <laughs> Spider Man is all races and creeds. Yeah, yeah, just like Superman. Um, Man of Steel sucked. <laughs> Still bitter. And this has been your Man of Steel sucks moment on Comic Timing, which seems to be every episode. The the thing uh, that I liked at the end for ours during the like thank yous and everything, the man who was playing Spider Man in ours came down from the ceiling and and did the whole upside down Spider Man mm-hmm. thing, and then then Mary Jane leaned in for a kiss, and I could almost see the lack of enthusiasm on our Mary Jane's face as she leaned in for that kiss, like oh god, is my contract over yet? Uh, do I have to kiss this guy again? <laughs> I know he has herpes. I'm gonna catch herpes. <sighs> it's all ca- for the paycheck. Gotta catch him. Oh, STDs. <laughs> I mean, one of the great things about it was that they make the Green Goblin into a floating platform for the Spider-Man that's like, you know, flying around. Mm-hmm. So, do they still have that? Um, no. I'm trying to think. Like, so wait, so your Green Goblin was so, a floating platform? That's so there's there's parts. In Act One, mm-hmm. where the Green Goblin's flying around the theater, like yeah. he's on a cord flying around. I mean, the part where Spider-Man's riding him, basically. Yeah, yeah. Basically. Oh, okay. But there's like yeah. a platform. There's a little square platform on his back, mm-hmm. and there are parts where Spider-Man's just riding him. He's kicking off of him, uh-huh. coming back, and he's just a platform for these <laughs> acrobatics. So you're making living platforms <laughs> out of these poor stunt men. Well- it's the closest you could get to a goblin glider. Yeah, no, I it, guess. Yeah, I guess it is the closest <laughs> you get. You know, human powered. Oh, man, Te- it, I'm sorry, teamster powered. Oh yeah, of course, because everything's got to be teamster powered, or else the union will sue your ass. They'll break your legs. Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts? Anything we haven't mentioned yet? Uh, in you, I know you got your notes there, oh, so we might, might as well triple check, make sure we haven't forgotten anything. Oh yeah, Robbie Robertson was nothing in this play. It pissed me off how he was just sort of just standing there. It was really annoying uh, my final thought is i'm looking forward to aladdin being in the new amsterdam theater across the street um i've i've heard tales of how bad the superman musical was oh uh, you mean it's a bird it's a plane it's superman <laughs> our friend hillary's favorite musical of all time my mom went to see that really yeah when, wow. when it what actually the same production that uh, that hillary went to see we were out of town that weekend, and had we not been, we would have been there also. But my mom saw it, and she, she enjoyed it for what it was, the racist mess that it is. <laughs> I mean, I know people who enjoyed Spider-Man, and they're mm. not people who read comic books. Right. Because it wasn't made for comic book fans. Sure, it was made for seven-year-olds. Yeah, it was made for seven-year-olds, and for people who wanted to see a spectacle. Yeah. And that's all it was, <laughs> and that's all it will ever be. Yeah. And the only redeeming quality is that it's leaving New York. <laughs> <laughs> that should really be on the billboard for the Las Vegas version. Like, Spider-Man, turn off the dark. So I guess we have this now. <laughs> I want no New York landmarks to be in that play anymore. Unless they're replicas of the New York that is in Las Vegas. Sure, why not? Yeah, you know, well, It could be on a stamp, why not in Spider-Man, turn off the dark. Well, t- take the Statue of Liberty from Las Vegas and use that as the platform. There was like a five-year-old kid sitting behind us at the play, and he kept asking questions about the plot. Like, even he was <laughs> poking holes through this thing. So that, that really doesn't say much about what you have to present. Yeah. I mean, in the end, it is what it is, yeah. and... You need to go out in Las Vegas and see yeah. it. I got, yeah, you need to just just to, I guess, maybe validate that it exists and to at least see it once in your life. And then maybe you can go see the Batman musical if that ever winds up actually seeing the light of and day. And then maybe buy some cocaine and get a hooker and then kill her and then try to dump the body and Spider-Man turn off the dark because no one will see it. So they won't know that you put it there. That was the plot of Spider-Man 3, actually. <laughs> like, now that I think about it, that sounds familiar. Evo Peter Parker. Chris, you got any final thoughts? I hate every ape I see. <laughs> From chimpanzee to chimpanzee, you finally made a monkey out of me. Made a monkey or a spider. Finally made a spider out of me. Yeah. I love you, Dr. Zayas. <laughs> or Dr. Norman Osborne. <laughs> 
This episode, as usual, has been sponsored by DCBS Discount Comic Book Service. Check them out at DCBService.com. 50% off all of your Marvel and DC trades and hardcovers and a whole bunch of other individual comics. UCT8, get an additional 8% off your first order with DCB Service. We thank them for the sponsorship. Austin, where can they find you on the interwebs if they want to hear more of your shtick? Uh, I have my Twitter account. I am at WizardCantrell. Uh, you can also find me on Tumblr at CelestialMartyr.tumblr.com. Fantastic. You know where to find me, eha-ds9.tumblr.com, for the three people who get that reference. <laughs> and as usual, Facebook.com slash Comic Timing for all of your Comic Timing conversation. Email address, ComicTiming at gmail.com. And we're proud members of the Comics Podcast Network over at comicspodcast.com and the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For Austin, for Chris and her random interjections, I'm Ian Levesy reminding everybody out there that there's always time for comics. Stay tuned for 150 with the Comic Geek Speak, boys. for a moment as we're brought to you by the letter Z. All right, we're back. The other thing um, was... And wait, no, I just lost my train of thought. It'll come back to me any moment now. Go ahead, go ahead, Lash. Well, well, go ahead. Helps. Dr. Zayas! <laughs>